Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable, the mystical, the magical, the macabre, New England's own Van Helsing. With me, all the way from the land of the Red Dragon, is the gold standard in ghost hunting, according to the Wall Street Journal, and a very big star in general. Japanese TV, Mr. Stephen Parsons. Well, that's the longest introduction we've had for a while. And anyway, um, while we're on the subject of Japanese TV, aren't you equally rating now with me? Uh, you saw me? I've heard all about you. Oh, hell hasn't. Yes, that, it was quite the experience. That's all I can say. I mean, it's really interesting because it's uh, it's almost like a game show, the way they did it. They have like a uh, a panel, and then they have like an audience, and then they have up in the corner of the while the investigation is going on, they have the pictures of like people from the audience, and you can see their reaction to what's going on, and and like a big colorful Japanese writing across the bottom. It's 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 uh, interesting. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe there's a future there for any mm. GP to. Uh... Maybe the next edition of the Ghost Chronicles television can, uh, can yeah, take right. that format. Yeah, that's, that's, I was just you, thinking. you and Anne hosting a game show, subtitled. Yeah, the... Hey, you know what? What? <laughs> we do? Why don't we do that when you come over? Okay, let's have a game show with prizes. Yeah, spin, yeah. spin the wheel of death. Spin the bottle. Spin the wheel of death. Spin, oh, okay, spin the bottle and kiss death. <laughs> I like that. That's that's one of the better ideas you've had for a long time. Right. I, I think you should uh, take credit for that. But anyway, so we have a, a guest on the show, believe it or not, and she is someone who's been on my other show, The uh, Next Generation. She was on the TV version, which was kind of cool. And she is, oh, God, I can't say her name, so that's going to be right off the bat. I'm in trouble. Oh, uh, Johnny Mayhem, I like to call her. So... <laughs> Uh, Johnny, you there? Johnny, Johnny, you there? Yes, I'm here. Is it? What is it? Tell me your name. Correct me. Slap me down. <laughs> it's Joni. Joni Mayhem. Is there an A and Joni? See? I know it was C- A and C- Joni. I told well, you, you know, it's think of Joni Mitchell. You know, it's spelled that way. <laughs> uh oh. I did tell him, Joni. Good evening. Hello. Yes. Steve, Steve did say that it was Johnny, Joni, Joni, so whatever. Anyways, I do apologize uh, for that. So, but you're not the first, and you won't be the last. I'm sure I am. So, it's it's something that's in my genetics. I think uh, I was uh, deaf and dumb in my past life. That must have been you know, it. You know something, Ron? When we, whenever I book a try and book a guest, the one thing I always say to them in the email booking them is, uh, I give them a heads up that you will probably get their name wrong. Oh. I can't believe that. Seriously. You'll either get it wrong or call them by some completely different name. I got Derek Akora's name, right? Well, you've still got the T-shirt. 
<laughs> so, anyways, Johnny, no, Joni. <laughs> a long show already, and I was feeling good too. Oh well, uh, Johnny. You are a paranormal invest- investigator, but you've also an, an author. You've written a, a crap load of books, including The Soul Collector. You've got the coolest names, by the way. I love the names of your books. The oh, uh, Soul, you. Soul Collector and, and Bones in the Basement. And your newest one's out, which is? Devil's Toy Box. Oh, Devil's Toy Box. I love that one. So how do you come up with your names? I think that's the important thing to me. Um, You know, I... They just kind of come to me. Soul Collector was pretty much self-titled because the entity that it attached itself to me was a soul collector. So that one was easy. Uh, Bones in the Basement. There had been several books written about the haunted Victorian mansion and Gardner, and uh, most of them were titled The Victorian or The Victorian Mansion. And instead of giving it a similar name, I wanted to set it apart. So I named it Bones in the Basement after one of the... Um, Famous Episodes. stories yeah. that happened yeah. in the house. Yeah, that's that's a cool one. And then so, uh, Devil's Toy Box? Uh, you know, I really struggled for the name on that one, and I was going to call it, I, I forget, I was going to call it something with soul in it to kind of connect it to Soul Collector. Mm-hmm. And I started, uh, I heard about uh, the paranormal investigative tool called the Devil's Toy Box, um, oh, yeah. which probably know, and the listeners probably know, but it's a six-sided mirror, and it's supposed to, trap a ghost inside and oh, yeah. um i thought that is such a cool name and it kind of explained my situation only instead of the ghost trapped inside the box it was me <laughs> but you know uh, Ron, ron's actually uh, been frantically searching ebay for one of those boxes no no i can make those in a snap i can do that crap that's easy but why would i i mean i saw those hillbillies do that and they why would you because you've bought every other paranormal gadget oh that's true too but i can build it so they they took it and they blew it up afterwards and blew up the ghost which i still can never wrap my head around that one but anyway (laughs) we mean you no harm has a whole new connotation yeah we just want to blow you to pieces (laughs) but you're already dead (laughs) i know i can't figure that one out so whatever so i mean uh Joni, oh, I gotta thank God. Uh, you, you know, we, Steve and I were looking on your website, and you've got a cool event coming up. Uh, and of course, Steve loves it because it says it's Parsons Field, and anything with his name, and he just get a swell head. So because he thinks every <laughs> everything with the Parsons is named after him. Probably so uh, tell us a little bit about that one. Oh, that's going to be an epic investigation. It's held at Parsons Field Seminary, which is in Parsons Field, Maine. Uh, it's, what a cool it, town. it was a prep school for Bates College and mm-hmm. back in the 1800s, and all seemed well and good, but um, apparently it wasn't. Uh, there seems to be have been a lot of abuse there, and some very severe headmasters, uh, probably um, sexual abuse as well. So the place is incredibly haunted, and they really, I mean, this place isn't set up to be uh, a paranormal hotspot. It's it's set up to be uh, almost a living museum. People can go in and take classes and tour the buildings. And they have weddings there and, you know, everything but paranormal. But they um, they had an electrician in who was a sensitive, and he was up in the uh, up in the, in the attic uh, doing some work, and he had set his 
lunch bag down at the bottom of the, the ladder that he climbed up. <clears throat> and he heard rustling, and he thought maybe somebody else had come in and taken his bag and was messing with him. And he kind of yelled down, very funny, you know, and he came down a little bit later, and there was nobody in the building, and the person wasn't there. And he started looking around and realized that there was actually more going on and more events started happening after that. And they've opened it up for a few investigations. It's not, you know, they only do maybe one or two a year um, Mm -hmm. by invite only. So I was really lucky to get in there. I've been there three times before and had some really incredible, chilling experiences. Mm -hmm. So did the ghost eat the literacy's lunch? You know, I think he eventually found it, like, in a different part of the building. Oh, okay. I was just curious. I didn't know if it was, like, slime or something. <laughs> or... You've been watching too much Ghostbusters. Yeah, well, you know, it is. Anyway, so, I mean, that's an incredible event. Are tickets still available? Yes, I do have some tickets available. It's a huge build, two huge buildings in a cemetery on the property. So, uh, and, and where can, where can I get the tickets? Uh, they can they can message me on Facebook or go to my website johnnymahan dot com and message me or email me from there and uh, I can get the tickets to them. I know. I was trying to con Ann into going, but she's going away camping that weekend. The bum. That would have been. Well, fun. You're not allowed. To, you're not allowed out on your own anymore. Nobody trusts me on my own. You know that. I know that. But... I was just wondering whether things had changed. I'm interested, Joni, in something else uh, that you do, uh, which is something we have in common, in addition to being paranormal investigators. Um, You run courses, Paranormal 101 courses. I do. I do. Um, You know, it came about kind of by accident. Uh, After writing Soul Collector, I had so many people coming to me and messaging me about the fact that they were also sensitive to spiritual energy and were aware of ghosts and wanted advice on how to handle it, and I answered them as best I can, but I thought, you know, if I can help a few people in my local area, I'm going to do it. So I started doing a paranormal 101 class in Gardner, Massachusetts at uh, Terrapin Traders, which is a metaphysical shop, Mm -hmm. and the people that showed up uh, were all had some kind of mediumistic abilities that were developing, and through the class and through teaching the courses, it's just been amazing how much they've grown and developed. And and it answers a lot of their questions. It gives them a forum, a place where they can talk about this stuff, because you can't just talk about this to your coworkers and sometimes your family. Mm-hmm. So it gives them a, an outlet and a place to talk. And it's just been growing. I just added a second class for Sundays because my Monday night class has been so popular. And so it's geared, it's geared for spiritually inclined people. It could be anybody. I mean, I do have some people in the class that uh, really don't have any abilities, but they're starting to develop them. So I There you go, Rob. There's the... a place for you. <laughs> I don't think so. It... <laughs> well, you have to, you know, you have to want it, too, you know. Right. Uh, a lot of people, you know, and for good reason, don't want the ability. So it's easier that way, definitely. Mm. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Uh, you know, I really believe that that people who are mediums, despite you know a lot of the, uh, you know, you can't verify a lot of stuff as far as you know that that they can do what they say they do. And and 
I do believe that they believe they can do it. And that's, you know, that's the main thing. So if it works for, for them, that's great. And, and of course, I, I told myself in that group because I call myself a dumb psychic. So there you go. Uh, but uh, it, it's an interesting thing because a lot of uh, it, when you think about it, no, I don't want to get too much into mediumship, but I mean, when you think about it, you know, people will, will talk to the dead and, and uh, to them, that's their reality. But we have people who are also in insane silence that hear voices and talk to people mm-hmm. that are there and we lock them up. So, I mean, it's a fine line there. You know, I mean, why why do some people, you know, who are the that are in the same asylum because maybe they do bad things versus some people who uh, can have the same experiences, but are fine in the real world. So it's, 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 it's an interesting thing. I, I, I really intrigued by it actually. We do. Um, we do something to try to validate our responses and, and our, our impressions that we get mm-hmm. when we do several investigations, um, We've done, I should say, we've done several investigations, but what we do is we take pen and paper, and nobody's allowed to just, you know, blurt out, oh, there's a female in the corner, you know. You write down what you feel, what you think the person looks like, if it's male or female, and uh, maybe what their message is. And then after we've left that room, then we compare notes and see how how close we were to each other. You like that idea, Steve, don't you? I think that's one of the better ideas because, as you as you say, quite often you'll get three or four people in a in a room and one will shout out something and the rest will start to agree, um, and then all of a sudden uh, they'll all be seeing and hearing exactly the same thing. Or more interestingly, actually, which is something you see over here a lot, uh, you'll actually get the the two mediums disagreeing vehemently uh, about what they're experiencing. And, really. Uh, yeah, yeah, it does happen. Uh, you get Dueling them, mediums, sort of, but then they 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 disagree with with love and respect with one another. Uh-huh. You know, with the greatest of respect, you're wrong. Do, do uh, they play the deliverance music while they do it? <laughs> no, but you did miss another group of people who uh, who who hear voices and uh, talk to non-existent beings that don't get locked up in asylums. Isn't that the clergy? Uh, well, no, not really. Uh, they're I not really. Uh, why? What I mean, makes, this, this this shouldn't go minute, down. What makes you, wait a minute. What makes you think the clergy all hear voices? No, I said that includes the clergy uh, because well, it they, includes everybody. Well, 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 actually, it does include the clergy, and yes, they do hear voices because I not really, all. That's a not big, all. stupid uh, question. I mean, no, it's not broad, because broad. they. Broad thing. Well, they don't all obviously hear voices, but they all exactly. Do you hear voices? They, but I'm they all certain. pray, and they all get, re- or they all say that they they say, say that they get responses in different forms. You know, we all believe in things that we can't see and hear. Exactly. We just call it by different titles. I, I try to not to believe in you, but you're still there. Yeah, I'm just Anyways, a voice. Joni, I'm just a voice Joni, that you can hear. I, I guessed. I guessed. Remember her. Yeah, started talking over her. I'm quite amused. Interesting discussion. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Joni, uh, I don't know how we got on mediumship, and I really I blame Steve. That's right, because he asked you about your course and everything. And and I did see your course, and it, it is geared for a spiritualist person. It's really not geared for like a, a skeptical person. Ghost hunting one hundred and one paranormal equipment and demonstration EVP capturing spirit voices seems pretty re- good to me. Really. Hmm. 
Okay. So anyway, it covers a lot of different topics. We talked about raising your vibration and tapping into the law of attraction a couple of weeks ago. Um, we've done past life regressions. Um, just talked about different investigative things, like we went into scrying and uh, we set up several mm-hmm. different versions of the scrying stations around the store to let people experience each one on their own. And that was oh, a lot that's of fun. cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, uh, scrying is an interesting uh, thing in itself. Uh, it's like the, the psychoromantium chamber is very much uh, a form yeah. of scrying. Well, we set scrying. one of those up too for the. Yeah. We we have uh, they have a, a room with herbs that they sell at the at the store, and it's a small room, very dark. So mm-hmm. we put a mirror in there with a very dim light and uh, let people sit in there, and it worked. Everybody had the experience I was expecting. I didn't set them up for what they were going to experience, and I made them be quiet when they came out so they wouldn't share it with the other people. And then mm-hmm. they talked about it at the end of the class and. It was it was fascinating. It it is it's it's an interesting uh, experience in itself. Um, but uh, I want also want to talk to you about a place that is dear dear and nearer to your heart, and also uh, in mine as well, which is the old, the uh, haunted Victorian in Gardner. Um, you've investigated that many times with, uh, on your own, and and also with uh, other people. Uh, what are your thoughts on the, the Victorian? It's... Well, it's up for sale right now. Uh, I handed in, I had a key and, uh, to the front door and I handed it in last night. So, uh, my period of time with the Victorian is formally over now. Um, uh, probably that's going issue. to new hands soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's an, an interesting... It's an interesting story uh, on the whole thing with uh, Lillian and Edwin uh, and how they bought it. Do you want to go in a little bit about it, or, or do you, would you mind going into a little bit about it? Or, or no, that... not at all, not at all. Uh, this couple, Edwin Gonzalez and Lillian Otero, uh, loved Victorians, and they bought the house in 2008 because she she wanted always. It was on her bucket list to own a Victorian. And people told them the house was haunted. They knew, but they scoffed at it. They didn't believe in ghosts. And uh, it, it was as though the ghosts were uh, wanting to prove them wrong. They started having experiences right away um, from uh, they had a planter move right in front of them. Items would disappear and reappear other places. They hear footsteps. And uh, the week they moved in, they waited until April to move in because the house wasn't heated. Um, and... Edwin was setting up his home office, and he saw something out of the corner of his eye and turned, and there was a full-bodied apparition standing right in front of him. And it had very angry eyes, and it faded after a second and really scared him. Um, it was just an incredible haunting. It They only lasted in the house for two years before they, they fled. They just couldn't handle living there. And if the house has been vacant since 2011, they moved into her sister's basement. In, uh near Boston, so and that's where mm-hmm. they're still that's where they're still living, and they've been trying to. They didn't want to give up on this house, but you know you can't have a house you can't live in, and uh, it just got to be too much financially for them, so they needed to sell it. Yeah, that's that's a shame. I think it's what three sixty nine is the price on it. There, uh, I thought it was like three thirty. Oh, okay, I can, see, I, right. I can see that's within the price range of Zach. Uh, it could be his next project there for his next movie. Oh, there you go. Yeah, is it, yeah. Is uh, the Ghost Adventures ever gone there? Do you know? 
Yes, they were there um, in 2013, and I, I got to be there while um, the production team was filming, and I actually ended up, they filmed me and Marion Luoma, the caretaker, for a few reenactments, but they didn't make it on TV. Oh, um, I'm a shadow person <laughs> in front of the stairs. <laughs> That's, that was my cameo, but um, I got to, uh, I made the costume for the little boy um, reenactment, and um, we just helped out. We were outside when they were doing their lockdown. We were standing across the street with uh, the owner when he wasn't in there. It was an incredible experience, and everything they captured, um, every experience they had was very similar to things that we've seen and voices that we've captured on audio. So I, I truly believe that they what they caught was legitimate. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, that's, that place has been investigated several times. Uh, the Ghost Hunters investigated it twice uh, as well. And it was also on My Ghost Story. Uh, uh, so it, it does have a lot of... Haunting and Paranormal Witness. Yeah, it's yeah. It's been on quite a few shows. I should put the price up. I watched. Uh, I was watching Ghost Adventures this week on uh, YouTube because uh, recently I've just I've just returned from Ireland, and one of the locations I visited and was interested in was Ireland's most haunted house, which the Halloween special from Zach and Co was uh, that location last year. And do you know what? I watched the program. I've never sat so much through so much rubbish in all my life. The story was oh. so distorted. Um, I believe you said that. It, it was unrecognisable. They 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 threw away fact um, in favour of in favour of storytelling. Um, yeah. I you know it was clearly made for television. It was clearly en- and it was. I mean you know hats off to the guys. It was entertaining. But in terms of representing the actual accounts of mm-hmm. people's experiences at Loftus Hall and representing the actual known story uh, of Loftus Hall. Um, a story that relates to the devil being discovered playing cards and then flying through the ceiling. Uh, I'm afraid the program shot very wide of the mark, and I was very disappointed. Oh, that's a shame. I Good know Halloween Joni, show, though. I know Joni's book uh, is is true to uh, the the uh, the truth of the the haunted Victorian. Uh, you know, she went there firsthand and uh, interviewed the, the uh, owners and so forth. So I know that book. It's a good book, too. Thank you. We're talking the difference between no television, though, aren't we? I mean, you know. <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons why I wrote it, because so many of the shows were presenting what they wanted to present, and they were kind of messing around with uh, the storylines and, and making things different than they really were. And I thought it would be nice to have this story down pat to how it actually happened. Uh, and then it snowballed because I decided to start interviewing people that had experience there and had investigated or had just paranormal experiences. And, and it just kept going and going. There were so many people that had investigated there that I finally had to say, okay, I can't take anymore. My book's going to be about five inches thick if I keep going. So but <laughs> there were so many experiences. Right. I, you know, I think uh, of all the experiences in the, in, in the house, of course, uh, Edwin and uh, Lillian's are the, the most compelling, uh, you know, since they lived in it for two years. And and, and where the, the title of the book comes from, Bones in the Basement, of course, is, is uh, Lillian's uh, trance thing that when she went down in the basement and found the bones and the, the ashes and so forth. I thought that was 
you know, to me, that's the compelling stuff for versus, you know, people that have gone in and, and done investigating and and come up with something. I mean, it's, it's nice, but this is, you know, really a, if you want to look at a true horror story, that's a true horror story. They they were uh, seriously afraid. Why is it, though, Joni, do you think people get so uh, scared by ghosts? Because, you know, you, you investigate, I investigate, um, Ron, Ron occasionally investigates, I suppose. <laughs> um, and yet we all, we all seem to come out of it unscathed. Right. Well, I think, uh, well, I think the media definitely has a lot to do with it. You know, the paranormal shows um, really blow things out of proportion, in fact, you know, my book, Soul Collector, um, was 100% accurate, but there was no furniture flying and no forks falling from the ceiling and, you know, things like that. And I was actually approached by a paranormal witness uh, to, to use that book for one of their shows, and they ended up passing because they didn't feel it was scary enough. So I think these shows uh, try to amp it up. Uh, if they can't scare you enough with ghosts, now they're moving on to demons, and, uh, you know, who knows what will be next. So I think people have a preconceived notion about ghosts, and, you know, when in reality, 90% of them are somebody's little grandmother, you know, so mm-hmm. nothing to really be afraid of. Now, Nathan, Nathan in the chat room uh, wrote this, and I just want you to comment on it, Joni, because, like I said, you know the haunted Victorian, I believe, more than anyone. He says, for the haunted Haunted Victorian, um, the blame is on a particular person's event that a seance was went badly and they invited evil in, uh, which uh, could be not true. Is, do you ever hear of that, about a, a seance? Um, yeah. yeah, there was a lot that happened, but they started having horrific experiences before they ever opened the house up for investigation. Uh, they they opened it up because they were hoping to get answers, and uh, they were intrigued by the phenomena. But uh, there were a lot of things that happened. I mean, they didn't watch over the investigators closely enough. So people were doing things like seances, or they were using Ouija boards improperly. Uh, they were provoking, and uh, they were doing all kinds of things. So I think it definitely made the ghosts there angry and probably more reactive than they were before, but the haunting was definitely there before anything like that happened. Mm-hmm. Joni, do you think that the majority of ghosts and hauntings are intelligent and interactive, uh, or do you think that uh, a proportion of them are residual and you know they just go about their business without ever interacting with the, the investigator? Um, I think it's probably an equal mix. I mean, you know, who's to say really, you know, we can't see them and track them and, you know, tag them and mark them. So um, I think a lot of them are intelligent. Uh, Whether they choose to communicate with us is one thing. I mean, we come in, or I shouldn't say we, but a lot of investigators come in, and they ask them the same silly questions over and over again. (laughs) After a while, you know, they're like, you know, I'm not going to tell you how old I am. I'm not going to tell you what my name is. You know, Mm -hmm. they just don't want to continue that line of conversation so they don't respond. Okay, so we're going to actually have to take a break right now. So uh, can you hold on with us? Mm-hmm. All right, thank you so much. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick right here on uh, Tojanet, Planet Paranormal, Pararex, uh, Crackle Radio, and wherever else we 
iron. Who the hell knows? Anyways, we'll be right back in the following messages. <laughs> Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be with remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased. We'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parrax family. Greetings and felicitations. I am Ron Kolek, New England's own Van Helsing. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the Blonde Bombshell. And we're here at the elegant Benefit Hall, the Downton Abbey of Venice. And we would like to extend a formal invitation to you. To tune in every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Ghost Chronicles and Next Generation. On Tokenet, Parax, Ghost Channel, and Planet Paranormal. You can even listen live on your smartphone with your tune-in app. I'll catch the podcast on iTunes. And now, time for tea. That great British drink that divided an empire and split two continents apart. But anyway, more of forget the political rants, uh, because it's back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International. You're probably listening live on Toginet, Parrax, the Ghost Channel, Radio Crackle, or C you might even be listening on the podcast, in which case, hi. Our guest tonight is... <laughs> <laughs> Our guest tonight is Joey yes, Mahan. I know, a paranormal investigator and author. Um, and we were talking about something I hadn't really heard of, a Victorian house in uh, Maine. 
Gardner, uh, no, no, Gardner, Massachusetts. Well, Gardner, Massachusetts, because, you know, over here in Britain, we're not exactly short of Victorian houses. Most of us live in them. So uh, we we're always intrigued by Americans. Love I, thought of, the, I thought the Nazis the, bombed them all out. No, actually, it wasn't no. the Nazis. It was Germans. Um, mm. Yeah, we, we always have this this fascination. Or the Americans have this fascination that we have a fascination about the Americans fascination for things that are old that actually aren't old Whatever. to us. To us, because the vast majority of our population live in houses that are probably approaching a hundred years or more old. So they're and, all fixer uppers. Uh, no, because we don't make them out of wood, um, and we don't have ter- and we don't have termites or hurricanes. Um, no, I but it's it, it's interesting that you know we have this age difference. But anyway, I was just musing on Victorian things in Gardner, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. There you go. So there it is. Anyways, gosh, I'm not weak on this. Johnny, I apologize for that. So anyways, uh, back to the uh, you, you and your books uh, and your investigations and, and everything else. So how did you get involved in the, the paranormal to become uh, – you are a sensitive. So, I mean, did that come before you became a par- paranormal investigator or did you acquire that along the way? I've been a sensitive since I was a child, but I didn't understand truly what it meant. Uh, my ability started off being uh, clairaudient, which means I hear a tone. Uh, it's similar to earring, except for it's not, it's localized depending on where the ghost is, so I can track it in the room. They make a sound that I hear. I can't explain how it works or why it works, but I've been hearing it since I was a child. and. I suppressed it for a number of years, just blaming it on um, tinnitus, and I convinced myself that I wasn't really, you know, that there was nothing there. It was just uh, me making my blood pressure rise or something that was causing my ears to ring. But when I started investigating and I was around haunted locations or, you know, famously haunted locations a little bit more, and I started working with uh, equipment and other psychic mediums, I was able to realize that where they were hearing and seeing the entities and their equipment was triggering, I was also hearing the tone. And I, the more I worked with it, it's like a muscle. The more you work with it, the stronger it gets, and that's what happened to me. And I started getting some bits of clairvoyance as well. So I now get impressions and mind pictures Um I can tell you that pretty much a description of whatever's there. Um, I don't get a message from them, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, it's just something that's developed over time, and it's still developing. Okay, so do you use all the equipment and stuff, even though you're a sensitive? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, because I'm always looking at it from both sides. Uh, I know there's a ghost there, but I would like to get some kind of validation and since I can't hear them or understand what they're trying to tell me, I need to use my equipment to be able to get their message out. Mm-hmm. So we use a variety of things. Uh, one of my favorite pieces of equipment, obviously, is my digital voice recorder. Um, you know, they can talk into it, and I can get EVP messages. And it seems to be I they like talking to me. I If you go onto my SoundCloud, which anybody's welcome to, it's just SoundCloud, and, and my login is Joni Mahan. Um, I have over almost 300 EVPs on there, and they're all 
very clear and very easy to understand. So mm -hmm. they talk to me. That's excellent. You know, I've noticed that, that there are certain people who spirit seems to be more talkative with than others. Uh, I know that, like, for instance, Mark Nesbitt from uh, Gettysburg is is one, and uh, Mike Markowitz, of course. And uh, uh, so, I mean, it, why do you think they they tend to speak to one person more than another? I think it's trust. Um, I think they can feel our energy and they can see our intentions. And, uh, you know, if somebody's all about just getting a great EVP that they can share with their friends, they're probably not going to get it. But if that person has genuine interest in helping them or passing their message along, I think it's a different story. So mm -hmm. I, I always go in very respectful and compassionate. I'm a big protector over the Victorian mansion ghost. Uh, you know, I've always worried, you know, somebody provokes, I'm upset, and, um, you know, I, I've gone in frequently with the uh, caretaker to look over the house, so, you know, at that house, they see me as somebody who truly cares about them and the, and the mansion, so mm -hmm. they're, they're pretty free with their words with me, Tim, but it's everywhere, it? so I don't, Sorry. you know, it's hard to explain, I think they just know, they know who you are. Jenny, why is it you, I, EVP has really taken off in the last sort of five, maybe ten years? Um, before that, we had other things like electromagnetic field measurements. Why is it? Do you think that EVP has become so popular? It's it's always been popular, Steve. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Well, no, well, I think you, you can hear. You know, you actually hear their voices, and you know, it, to me, it was fascinating from the very beginning. It's like I can talk to dead people. <laughs> And they're talking back, and they're answering my questions. And, you know, it helps us, um, you know, from a very primal level to understand what happens to us when we die. You know, it's the interesting thing about EVP. It has such a wow factor. I mean, people, you show people pictures, and they'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you you know, you let them hear something. It's like, oh, my God, it's a voice. It's like, you know, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's such a big wow factor to it. Well, it's how I convinced, uh, you know, my parents that there's really such a thing as ghosts. You know, after they told me as a child that there really weren't ghosts, um, mm -hmm. you know, I convinced them otherwise. I uh, sat them down and, you know, played a couple of my AVPs for them. And uh, my mother has since been on an investigation with me. So I thought that was a, a big win for me. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, my mother always thought I was crazy, and she still did. Uh, but that's besides the point. <laughs> uh, the the I was going to ask you back to the Victorian again, and and you mentioned before about groups going and doing who knows what when no one's around, and. I mean, in those groups, I'm sure there are there are some mediums or, or psychics who who uh, has told people there that they have passed spirit on. I mean, what what are your thoughts about that? Can we physically pass spirit into another realm, or is it uh, just a bunch of hooey? Oh, I truly believe that. In fact, you know, a couple of my class members and I. Um, the, the ones that are, have really developed as psychic mediums uh, recently did a house cleansing. And it's kind of a fascinating story because the people's house burned down, and they owned a flip house that they were you know, fixing and going to resell. So they moved mm -hmm. into that, and they immediately started having uh, paranormal issues. They were hearing voices and thumps and doors slamming and 
uh, and it terrified the woman enough that she went and stayed with her mother. And she contacted somebody from my group who contacted me and asked if we'd go over and take a look. So I went over with um, two other, you know, two very strong psychic mediums, um, and actually three. And we just walked through the house and we identified what was there. And we did a cleansing. We, we offered them. It's almost like counseling. Uh, they don't a lot of times understand why they're still here. And they don't understand that they don't have to be here. So we mm -hmm. just go in and we just talk to them in a compassionate manner and tell them that, you know, there's something better for them on the other side, whether you want to call it heaven or uh, the astral plane or, you know, there's a lot of different names for it. But um, just to walk through the white light and be there. And mm -hmm. in about an hour and a half, we crossed over four, four goats. And the proof is, after we left, uh, it's been about a month and a half now, they've had absolutely no paranormal activity in the house. It's been calm. The mood in the house just felt lighter immediately. And uh, I feel like we, we did, you know, a lot better than just going in and poking at them and asking them, you know, how long they've been there and what their names were. Uh, we, gave them, we gave them relief. I'm curious because uh, what's the what's the moral and ethical stance on clearing a ghost? Because it might not actually want to be cleared. And as you just said, Joni, you, you didn't ask them what they wanted. You just got rid. Um, oh no, we did. We asked. Oh, them you what, did. We gave. It's always free will. I mean, they don't have to cross over if they oh, don't want right. to. We asked <laughs> them, and we gave them the option, and they yeah. um, they they chose to move on. You see, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm always mindful that we investigators are always concerned about the ethics um, uh, and the, the well-being of the client, the, the, the living client. But, uh, you know, all too often it seems that we zoom the poor ghost through to the light, uh, <laughs> with, you know, with, you know, with neither a buy your leave, uh, you know, off you go now, uh, bugger off. Um, it's, maybe we should start a, a welfare uh, organisation for ghosts. Well... I think that sometimes they get stuck on this side. Maybe they did something in their life they were not proud of, and they're they're worried about you know getting to the pearly gates and ending up taking an elevator straight down. <laughs> and <laughs> we just go in and we just explain to them that they're forgiven, that, that you know they're fine to cross over, and often they just do. Uh, it's always their their will. They don't have to go if they don't want to go, and we we don't zip them off anywhere. We offer them the choice and let them know that it's a better place. And often they, they do. It's, you know, now if you get a really uh, aggressive haunting, um, it's probably not going to happen that way. So it's only with the ones that want to go. Why, why do they need, why do you think, I mean, this is, I, I have no psychic ability, um, so this is something I really don't understand and, and possibly goes for some of our listeners also. Why is the, the ghost, the spirit, requiring a, uh, the services of a medium in order to just tell them that it's okay to go? Um, you know, if it's free will, well, why can't they just go? I think they can, but it's, you know, you have to remember that they were human once. They were people just like us. And uh, a lot of the formal religions teach us that so many things we do are, are sin and we're going to go to hell. Like a good example would be a suicide victim. Um, you know, they're caught yeah. up in the moment and they end their life. And they end up, uh, when the white light opens up, they're afraid to go because they're afraid they're going to go to hell. So they pause and they don't cross over. 
And I, again, going back to feeling people's energy, they, they feel us and they understand that we're being truthful with them, you know, to the best of our knowledge, and we're trying to help them. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of times just that last nudge is almost like counseling. We just let them know there's a better place for them. Yeah, that's it's an interesting thing you said too about the, how a place feels lighter and everything else because I've uh, accompanied a uh, an exorcist from the Catholic Church a couple of times, and when they performed an exorcism, they had that same feeling. I guess you would say uh, once it mm-hmm. was completed, it was uh, you know it was like a relief, uh, a lighter, uh, more you know it, it wasn't like walking into a room where uh, two people had just gotten an argument where you have that tension and that mm-hmm. that grading so I, I found that interesting so that would kind of you know match what what the uh, exorcism uh, had performed as well as far as uh, the atmosphere afterwards so I found that it was interesting anyways but you know go back to Victoria I mean you say you can pass people or I'm sure there are other mediums believe they can pass over so what I mean like at the Victorian you have people you don't know about saying okay I'm going to pass whatever spirit is there over and it's not going to be there anymore. I mean, do you find uh, you, you communicate with the spirits there? Have you found that anybody there had tried to do that to the ones that were there? And and why didn't they go at that time? Um, I, I'm sure people have tried over a period of time, and it's not something they're always going to tell everybody because a lot of homeowners become um, possessive over their ghosts. And, you oh, yeah, know, they don't them. want you yeah. to cross them over because then nobody's going to have anything to investigate. Um, you know, I'm not saying that was necessarily the case there, um, but so most, but most of the ghost hunt, or most of the mediums are going to be quiet about it usually when they do it. So I'm mm-hmm. sure it happened, and they probably did cross a few over. But you have to understand that house has it has a portal in it, and uh, ghosts are coming in and going. And they're coming in on the other as attachments on some of the investigators. And so the house was just continually getting more and more haunted, which I think impacted the dynamics. Um, You know, if you just forced, you know, 40 people in one room and said that you have to live here together, you're going to have battles. And and I think that was part of the problem with the haunting. They just had so many ghosts in that house that maybe weren't compatible with each other or with the living, and it just caused chaos. So uh, let me ask you another thing, because I, I, I know the Victorian a little bit. I mean, it, it, they had a bar across the street, and, and it was really noisy at times. So how do you know when your EVPs, you're not picking up, you know, background noise or, or something like that? Yeah, that's, uh, it is always an issue when the bar is going, but they only usually have a band on Friday or Saturday nights. And we were going in any time of the day. I mean, I've investigated there you know, literally every part of the day. Um, so typically the EVPs that we get are very cl- whispered very close to the mic, so you can hear it's different. You know, if you hear them, you know it's a very different kind of sound uh, versus um, not necessarily. Sometimes you'll get a spoken voice, but you after you've been at a certain location so many times, you, you know what what is outside and what is inside when you're listening to your audio. And we're very careful. We mark our audio. If there's somebody outside and they hoot or holler or say something really loud or a car goes by, we always mark it. At that point, we'll say, you know, bar across the street or car going by or something Mm -hmm. so that when you're listening to it again, 
hours or maybe days later, you, you'll remember that it's not an EVP. Yeah, I, I remember because that exactly what happened to us when we did the uh, one of the investigations at the uh, Victorian is that's exactly what it was. We had uh, a car going by and originally uh, when we listened to one recorder, we said, what was that? And then we listened to the other one where we had taped it. It was uh, <coughs> it, it was mocked in it. So that was good. Uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's uh, good investigating, I think. Anyways, but uh, as far as your equipment, you use a, a, a recorder. What what type of recorder do you use? Oh, okay. All right, we lost her actually. Steve, you there? I'm here. Yes, I was waiting right. for the answer because I was also intrigued about the. So I'm fascinated by this this. You, you said that EV, I mean, EVP has been around for a very long time. It's, it's, it's been a long since I started investigating, I can well, tell you people that. Have, people have been studying electronic voice phenomena for, for over 100 years. But yeah. in terms of going out to haunted houses with digital recorders and talking to the dead, that's, that's comparatively recent. I mean, if you look no, at the... we've been doing it since look, I've been doing it. Yeah, but if you look in the kit boxes of most ghost teams, they they didn't have this reliance on recording device sound recorders for EVP purposes ten years ago. No, we did. Maybe they didn't have in the UK, but it was probably well, they, here. They, we had sound recorders, obviously, well, but we didn't we always we always had an EVP specialist in our group. Uh, you see, sorry, anyway, that's I'm not telling you what we have. I'm not making it up. Well, okay. Well, maybe well, you believe whatever you want to believe. No, but, it's not uh, okay to believe. Telling, I mean, yeah. you know, British teams, you know, we were, well, I think we were still chasing EMFs and uh, talking to the dead that way, I guess. Oh, we chased EMF too at the time as well. Uh, but uh, it, it's, uh, you know, it's always, like I said, ever since I. Uh, no, it, it's, it, it, there's been a definite increase in either, in electronic voice. You're going to argue with me. Interest. I'm not going to argue with you. So you just. I'm not arguing. Just saying there's been a definite increase. You, you, um, maybe it's social media. Maybe people. Just share it more. All right, good. Thank God Joni's back, so we don't have to have yeah. this on, on the TV, on the radio here. <laughs> so what happened? Uh, was that the ghost? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. Uh, Just all of a sudden, you were not there anymore. I so, wish. Uh, <laughs> you will be in a minute. Uh, you, as far as, uh, did you hear my question about, you know, as far as recording, what, what type of uh, recorder do you use in uh uh, do you use more than one when you record? I use two, but, you know, it's twice the audio to review. Typically somebody else in the room is going to have a recorder. So if you have a question about something, you can always go to one of those people. But I just use a Sony, um, I think it's a 330X. I got it at Staples. You know, it's mm -hmm. not, I think it cost me $50. It's not that mm -hmm. expensive piece of equipment, but it's, uh, it works, and I get what I need out of it. And the interesting thing about recorders, if you, you know, you go back to the, the beginning of uh, EVPs, uh, the theory was that you always wanted to use crappy recorders. And that's why, for instance, the DR60 is going on eBay for, you know, uh, you know, mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds of dollars because, right. uh, you know, the reputation it has is even though it's a crappy recorder. But you speak to someone who like Mike Markowitz who will spend, you know, umpteen dollars on his recorders so he has the best quality. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? I think it's, uh, I don't think it's necessary. I've, you know, I've never had a, an expensive piece of equipment and I, I always get results. I think it's the person asking the questions, not the recorder recording the message. Right. That's interesting because I was talking to uh, an investigator in the 
UK who was getting some very interesting results on thermal imaging. And of course, you know, Ron and I, we've got thermal imaging cameras. I asked him why his results, why did, and he gave me exactly the same answer. Because I like them. He believed that the, that the operator uh, played some part in the in the acquisition. In that the, the you know the operator was psychic, always uh, the the spirit was drawn towards the operator. You know, I, I believe that in a, in a way. And the more I, I do with, deal with the paranormal, is, is I believe the paranormal is supposed to be a personal experience. It's aimed for that particular person because when you think about it, it, it is an experience more than a uh, what's the word I'm trying like a law or a uh, uh, what's the but I mean it's it's more of a personal experience than anything. Even I mean you can you can be in a room and someone will say. Did you hear that? And somebody will say no. But why did one person hear it and not hear it? Did you see that? And one person will see it and another person won't. Uh, so it, it's, I don't know, to me, I think it's more of a personal experience than it, than it is. Uh, well, I think me. also uh, I know people that can take pictures and, and capture images in them. And I've mm-hmm. taken thousands of pictures inside the Victorian and never gotten anything and you know, one person I know, every time she comes, she gets weird stuff in her pictures, and she uses different cameras, and, you know, it's not always like the same camera. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think, you know, it depends on your ability. Some some people are just adept at snapping the picture at the right time, or, you know, maybe they'll present themselves to that person in a different but way. Th- doesn't so. that go back to the spirit again, once again? Is the spirit, you know, like, like Steve said with thermal energy, why does this guy can capture stuff in thermal energy? And he says because the spirit basically liked them. So mm-hmm. is that the same deal that the spirit so. will associate with? Yeah? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> That's it interesting. Is. So anyways, uh, I know we are running out of time. Is there anything uh, you would uh, like to add? Um, well, anybody interested in my books can look me up on my website, JoniMahan.com, or all wanna, my books are on Amazon.com. You want to spell that for us, please? Because it's on, on a J- bad camera. Yeah, sure. <laughs> J-O-N-I-M-A-Y-H-A-N. Okay. Thank you very much. And uh, once again, your event is up at uh, Poss Field. Wait a minute, Parsons Field? And yeah. tickets are still available, and they can get that from your website as well? Yes, they can. They just All have right. to message me. So w- what's coming up next for uh, Joni? What, what's your next plans? Another book? or? Oh, yeah. I'm working on a book right now about uh, a shaman friend who's uh, helped me eradicate ghosts out of my house, nasty ones. His name is Michael Brobeshaw, and uh, as I'm get, getting into his story, the stories of the people he's helped have been very chilling. So uh, that's going to be a great book. Okay. Any idea when that's coming out? Um, it'll probably be later this year. I'm hoping to have it out by Halloween. Okay. Well, we want to thank you so much for being on the show. And once again, this has been Joni and, uh, you know, that pos field. I mean, that really looks good. I was, I'm so. It sounds like, such I, a cool place. I, I know it, you know, and it, it, it it's really cool. I mean, and, and it's, the price is excellent on it. You get dinner and a place to stay for like 60 bucks plus the investigation. So, I mean, that's, that's an awesome deal. So anyways, Joni, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Thank yeah, you, Joni. Have, have a great day. You too. Well, she was pretty good. Interesting. Paranormal investigators are always pretty good and interesting. 
I think so, too. We're a good anyway, breed of people. We're a good breed I of people. I guess so. I guess so. Anyways, I got two things I want to mention. And, of course, uh, Circles of Wisdom, my paranormal study group. Uh, first Tuesday of every month is the Red Light Science, which is getting more and more interesting uh, as we move into physical mediumship. And every third Tuesday of the month, which is tonight, by the way, uh, is my paranormal study group. And tonight's subject, which... You would love Mr. Parson is table tipping. Ah, funny enough, I was I was only writing about table tipping yesterday. No way. For my upcoming book, Ghostology, uh, Michael Faraday's experiments conducted in 1853. Michael Faraday. Yeah, the world's greatest physicist in, in, examined table tipping way back in 1853. Really? That's even before. That's even before you. Just. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put that in stone if I were you. <laughs> no one knows my age. <laughs> but anyway, anything you got coming up? Uh, yes, I'm back off to Ireland uh, the weekend after next to do a charity event for the Chernobyl Children's uh, Charity. Oh, that's cool. Um, at Enniscorthy Castle, so uh, doing my little bit to help the, the the children from Chernobyl who come over to Ireland and the UK, obviously to uh, for healthcare and just to get a break, some fresh fresh clean air. So uh, yeah, I'm going to be. UK? <laughs> well, compared to Chernobyl, I guess. So. I guess, I guess. All right. Uh, but yeah, that's what I'll be doing in a couple of weeks. Then uh, working hard on more stuff for after that. Uh, okay. including, including Ghostology 2. And, and Spur, of course, this fall. And, of course, the book's coming out very soon, next month, Paracoustics. So, here's the tunes. we got to go. So, anyways, from uh, myself and Mr. Parsons, we'd like to wish you a very good evening and tally-ho and all that other crap. So, yeah. chin, good night. Chin. God bless. Chin, chin. There you go. Good night. Good night. God bless. Good. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law. Is there more living for